0: Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of Motor Up Sports. Today, I'm back with a normal episode of uh, just going over all the teams a little bit today. Um, That's relevant right now in the papers. So I'm just going to go right away, and I'm going to start with Michigan State football. Happy game week, everybody. Michigan State plays Friday. Michigan plays Saturday. It's going to be a great week. East Lansing, I know, is buzzing right now. Everybody's really pumped and excited for this game. I'm super excited. I think this is the most excited I've been up here for a football season in my four years here. Because freshman year, it was like we were going to suck. Sophomore year, it was like we were going to suck. Going into last year, it was like we're going to be a bottom five team in the power of five conferences. Like that's just – every newspaper was saying that. But now it's like, damn, this team is going to be good. The expectations are through the roof. Mel Tucker mentioned a little bit about that today, how the expectations are higher than they've ever been on campus. Look, I, I'm excited. I think there's so much talent on this roster and there's been so much development of that talent. We saw this in one year. The entire roster was a million times better last year. Now, a lot of those guys are back. He added some transfers. He, he wouldn't give out who's starting at running back between Browser and Berger. I, I'm cool with either of them starting. I hope it's really a two-back system there. I think the biggest thing... This year for Michigan State that you're going to see is that the offense is going to be extremely balanced. There was, like, very little, I think, balance last year because every time you needed a bailout, you, you handed it off to Kenneth Walker third, There's a touchdown. This year now, you know, Thorne has to learn to play under pressure. There was not a whole lot of pressure last year. The pressure he was dealing with was pretty much taken off by Kenneth Walker. So now all eyes are on you. How are you going to do it this year? How, how are you going to take advantage of your opportunities this year? Because I think he's good enough to solidify himself as a top three round pick. I think realistically he'll be drafted day three. Boy, if trying, he can easily be drafted in the first two rounds. I mean, first two days. If he has a good enough senior season, he has the receivers to do it. He has all the receivers to make it happen this year. And all eyes are on Keon Coleman. He thinks he's going to be good. He doesn't just think he knows. He's a sophomore, and this guy is that it to him. I just feel it. Like, him and Reed are going to play off each other so well. And then you add Mosley to the mix as well. Three receivers right there that will probably all end up being all Big Ten players at some point in their career already, you know, Jay Reed has. Mosley will be an all Big Ten player. I guarantee Keon Coleman will be as well. You have three receivers right there that are NFL caliber receivers. At some, at some point in their careers at state. That's something to be super pumped and excited about because Michigan State's never really had like a receiving core this deep and loaded. Because even the guys sitting behind, Mosley, Coleman, and Reed are very damn good players, and the freshmen come in and he loaded up with, with receivers. And there are some damn good freshman recruits that will be probably end up getting redshirted. But you're looking at a team that's more likely going to be a top 20 offense in the nation this year. I don't think that's too hot of a take to make. The run game will be fine. That's actually probably one of the least of my concerns because we have such a good quarterback and and receiving core that the running backs will probably just end up being like more like an NFL, like we're just going to punch up the middle on first down. We're going to run it when we feel like it. I think it's going to be a lot of throwing this year. And I think that the balance will be – much better than it's been in previous years. I also was listening a little bit to the press conference today and Mel Tucker was giving zero answers about who's going to start. And I like that. I don't want anybody knowing who's starting on Friday night at Western. Don't give them any advantage. Look, I, I know we're going to blow them out. It's probably going to be a three, four touchdown win. But at the same time, Obviously, we don't want to have anything come out of camp. Starters-wise, as much as I want to know, I want to blow them out. And I want to show the nation that Michigan State's still there. And Michigan State's not going away. Because God forbid we play a close game and we win. The nation's going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan State football's not good. Michigan State's done. Like, you know that's going to happen. Michigan State needs to come in there and just pull the fucking brakes off Western. Because... Going into the next week, you're going to hear the same things against if you play close against Akron. You have to blow out all these teams right away to start the season. Akron needs to be a blowout. Western needs to blow out, and Washington needs to be a convincing win. Because the nation does not like Michigan State. We've seen some of the predictions. A lot of people saying seven wins, eight wins. Not many guys outside of the state of Michigan are saying this team's going to win more than nine. And I think that this is the year that is a prove it for Mel Tucker. You just got your extension. And there's really no prove it at this point. But I think that you have to win nine this year. That's the number. I think they'll oh, win 10. I can live with nine. I'd be ecstatic with 11. I'm talking regular season. I'm not including a bowl game in there. I think there's a lot of Depth on that receiving court. You have a lot of depth at running back. You have a lot of depth at linebackers. But where what concerns me now, I'm going right back into it, is, is that there's no depth on that D line. And there's not a whole lot of depth on that O line that I can really point out. You need to stay healthy with that O line. I mean, there's nobody behind anybody. And we see he's trying to beef up this upcoming class at O line, and I really like that. But I just don't see a way that the run game's as effective this year if the line starts getting banged up. The D-line on the flip side, I'm not as nervous about it. I kind of mentioned it was a little bit. I went back, read a little bit about the defense more. Brandon Jordan is the real deal. I mean, man, you could not have gotten a better guy to lead your defense. A-plus offseason for Mel Tucker for grabbing him. And I just saw that Jacob Slade is the number two defensive lineman in the nation by PFF. So if he's healthy, Michigan State, if everything stays healthy, Michigan State will have a top defense in the Big Ten this year. That's not too out of a take to make. Because last year, you were looking at a lot of injuries at secondary, a lot of injuries at linebacker. There's a lot to be worried about in terms of depth between corner and D-line. But I also want to make one last point about this defense, and about Mel Tucker. I was reading an article on Sports Illustrated. It was interesting. They were mentioning about Davion Prim moving the cornerback after lighting it up in camp at running back. And I'm curious if he's going to get play time the first couple games because Tucker's always said he wants to play the best guys. Is Davion Prim the best guy? And there's just no room for him at running back? That's my question now. I guarantee the guy will probably touch the field a few times this year. I, I would bet it's not that hard of a transition for an athlete like that to move from running back to corner. But I'm curious, will he play against Western? Will he play against Akron? That's to be seen. But I want to move on to Michigan State basketball. Recruits, recruiting has been updated on 24-7 sports and ESPN, uh, 24-7 sports. Michigan State now has the number two basketball class for 2023. Xavier Booker is now number three, Jeremy Fears is 34, Cohen Carr is 62, and Garrett Norman is 76. Great day. Look, you have your chance now. It's your last chance. You have two more, I think 2023 and 2024. Make it happen, but I want to move into this year because that was just a little tidbit I wanted to throw in there, but I think that Talking about Michigan State basketball, Michigan State's best chance to win this year is to play seven and a half guys. There's no depth on this team. You have a lot. You only have nine guys on scholarship, so you're looking at a lineup. I hope that consists of AJ Tyson Walker at the two, Pierre Brooks at the three, Joey Hauser at the four, and Sissoko at the five. I think by the end of the year, Jackson Kohler will be the starting big. But game one, can't you can't bench a junior for a true freshman who wasn't a five star even though Maddie Sissoko's really not done anything so far at Michigan State that I've lived in. I am like this kid's actually a good player. But Hogart and Walker are going to be very good together this year, and that backcourt is going to be the entire offense. Off the bench, though, I'd like to see Malik Hall, Jaden Aikens, and Jackson Kohler be your half dude off the bench. I think you have to run a little bit of small ball here this year. Want to see Malik Hall and Joey Hauser play by, side by side a few times? I think it's, it speeds up the game a lot, and I think that you you could shoot better. I think that Holgar needs to be the guy who runs the entire offense. Everything needs to go through Holgar, not Tyson. Holgar has that it to him that I feel like if. He uses it the best to his advantage. He's going to be a very damn good guard in the Big Ten that a lot of teams are going to hate playing. A lot of guys are going to hate guarding him this year. He needs to step up and become the alpha. I said it last year. I'm going to say it again. There was no alpha last year. That's why Michigan State was not good. They had loads of talent. It wasn't a talent issue. It was, you had no leader on the entire roster. Holgar needs to step up and take that leadership role because if he doesn't, this team is screwed. And I think that the thing is about about Izzo is every time he's an underdog, they perform better. I don't know. This is another underdog season for Izzo. Do I think they're going to be that good? Absolutely not. I think they're probably just going to break into the tournament as a 9-10 seed, play around, probably not get out of the first weekend, and then try it again in 23. But I do think that this year – I wouldn't be too surprised if they surprise a lot of people and play some pretty damn good basketball. It's just the Izzo and the underdog effect. I'm not counting them out this early. I don't think they're going to be that good, but I'm not going to count them out. Can't count Izzo out right before the season starts. So this year will be interesting. We'll see what happens. I think 23 is really your biggest chance. But if you can somehow find a way to play as a 6'5, 5 4-seed this year, I'll be ecstatic and I think this team can take a serious run if they overperform in the regular season. They will overperform in the tournament. Are they a Final Four team? No. Probably Sweet 16 maxed out this year is their ceiling. And that's perfectly fine. I'll take a Sweet 16. We haven't been out the first weekend since I was in high school, so I wouldn't mind it at all. We're going to move into Michigan football now, and... I want to talk about the J.J. Kate situation. I'll say it right now. I like it. But it makes me feel like J.J.'s not that good. Yeah, the guy made a fucking phenomenal throw against Western. What else did he do for you? Maybe he was okay, but in state, I don't think he was that good at the football cost of the game. I'm not a huge J.J. guy. Never really have been. I think that Harbaugh's legacy so far at Michigan has been the inability to develop a quarterback and the inability to beat your rivals. That's his legacy right now. Will it change? Probably not because I don't think he's going to be around much longer. I think he wants to go with NFL and that's been his dream to go back there. And he's going to run as soon as an opening comes. He flirted a bit last year. I don't think he's there much longer. And I think his assistants left. Because they don't want to deal with this shit if he leaves for the NFL or whatever. Their jobs are in jeopardy. So I don't think he's staying in Michigan much longer, and his legacy will probably end up being that.
1: And JJ will be another
0: example of another Shane Patterson type situation. So don't worry, Michigan fans. You got JJ, who will give you a nine and three season for his two years as a starter, unless he transfers because Kate's a starter. I, I don't think JJ's that good. He has potential. You, you got to remember the guy who's coaching him. It's the same guy who has busted quarterback after quarterback after quarterback for seven years at Michigan. That's what you're looking at with JJ. You know, a five star coming in, Can is going to think you're going gonna, gonna to be a fucking beast, and he just is average. He's not going to be much more than an average quarterback. And I, I think what's pathetic is, is that you have the ability to play pretty much two scrimmages to try them both out, that you're going to be so unprepared to play Iowa early in the season there, they're going to get the brakes blown off the door. That game is going to probably be an ugly-ass Iowa win. It's in Iowa. It's probably going to be a night game, and they're going to come off unprepared shit because they haven't played anybody all year. And honestly, I hope Michigan drops in the polls every single week until they play a real team because that's absolutely pathetic they you you start your season you play the two worst teams in college football unbelievable you're playing a night game against hawaii they just lost by like 40 to vanderbilt i mean come on come on play somebody even if you played like washington like states playing i'd sit there and be like okay you can't blame them for scheduling washington because washington's typically like a solid program None of those programs are solid programs. It's it's horrible. I think it's so pathetic, and I hope Michigan drops every single week until they play Iowa. I want to move on to my last segment of the day, and that's about the Tigers. The bats came alive this weekend. Look, they actually played solid baseball. Like, baseball, I wanted them to play all year. Yeah, I mean, they were playing Texas. Shit team. Shit pitching. But you know what? They hit the ball. And they looked like a major league baseball team this weekend where both teams looked like minor league baseball teams. I don't know what it was, but Riley green looked super good. And I feel like every time Riley green plays good, the team plays good. Everything, Riley, every game that Riley green plays bad, the team plays even worse. I'm going to give him player of the week this week. I think he played a phenomenal week. He batted 10 for 23. With a double, triple, home run, four RBIs and a walk. And they were winning games when he was playing well. And I'll give Harold Castro a runner-up for it because we saw what he did yesterday with the five RBIs. And, yeah, I've sat here and I've chat on the Castros. And I, I don't think they should be on the roster at all. You're six of this. But you have to give it to them. Every night they do come to the ballpark and they look like they want to be there. They look like they're trying. They look like actually are MLB players. So you have to give that to them. As bad as players, I think they are, at least they come to the ballpark and try. Because some of these other guys just don't. And it's evident. And it looks like a Kiro Badu is done, every at-bat, he just looks lost out there. And I'm getting very concerned about Alex Lang and Greg Risotto. I think we all know how I feel about Greg Risotto. But Alex Lang, I thought, was going to be the closer of the future for this team. And, man, I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong. Every game, that trade value is going lower and lower and lower. And I'm very concerned that you're not going to be able to flip him this offseason. Whether the new GM wants to flip all these players or try to work with what we have and try to do something with it, who knows? But I'm being very concerned about that. And I think that's something that a lot of people should be very concerned about. The bullpen starting to fall apart. You knew it was going to happen at some point. When you're pitching these guys like Drew Hutchinson every night, you throw random guys on the mound every night that shouldn't be out there. It, it's not good. It's bad. That you knew the bullpen was going to get taxed at some point this season. They've been taxed. And now they're just th- going out there and they're throwing shit baseball. Like, yeah, I kind of expected at least the hit bats are coming alive and the bullpen starting to fall part. Hopefully, this is like a turning point. Maybe they can manage to lose 95 games. I'll be happy with that. I mean, 100 losses seems very, very, very possible right now. And I, I really don't want that. Like, I cannot do another 100 loss season. If they win 99, I'll be happier. But man, I mean, Riley Green's the real deal. I think that that's your piece you have to hold on to, or you have to make him available for the every top prospect in baseball. I don't know what you do this off season. If you're, I I think you kind of have to trade everybody off, but man, Riley green is good. Like when he's hot, that team is good. So I'm going to leave it at that. This